Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 4, Sons of the Harpy, is over, but the book club is in session. Uh, and now here are the two people who J plus T equals book club. It's Josh and Terry. It's the Joss and Terry, Josh and Terry show. Woohoo. Jo- Joss Wiggler? I just directed. Yeah, Joss Wiggler. My, I totally my, just. My big movie just came out this weekend, last weekend. <laughs> you better be making a lot of money. And what are you doing on Twitter? Uh, Age of Wigtron. I would pay to see that movie. Yeah, it's about a, a, a robot who wants to destroy the world because he is intolerant of people's wigs. Well, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much Age of Ultron in a nutshell anyway. This is it, why I'm not paid to write movies or, I don't know. or direct I would, films. I am standing by. I would pay to see that. All movie. right, you're standing by. Uh, well, nobody's paying to listen to Game of Thrones book. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, yes. But no. no. <laughs> nice for you and me. Uh, no, we are being we are being paid in the, in the love and support that you guys show us for every time we do one of these Game of Thrones book clubs. And uh, we have been really good about doing these live this season. Uh, we're going to have a couple of bumpy weeks ahead. Um, this week being one of them, we're going to be live as often as we can. But this week we had to do this just audio only just because of schedule wonkiness. Um, and that's unfortunate because this was a huge, 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 huge episode from a book club perspective. Um, but this for- is a biggie. This is what we've it, been waiting it, it for. Was, it was a biggie. But fortunately, that gave us a lot of time, I think, to gather our thoughts. I think we've got a lot of great questions that we're going to be able to get through um, at least two really, really big topics to, to cover and a, a bunch of other stuff that I think will be fun to talk about as well. Um, But just your prerequisite warning, if you have stumbled into the Game of Thrones book club and you have not read the books, if you're not familiar with the books that Game of Thrones is based on, you're in trouble. This is spoiler territory. Get out now. Get out now. Get out now. Otherwise, stay. Otherwise, stay and hang out with Terry and I. How about that, Terry? Yeah, I mean, I'm always down for a good hangout. All right, well, let's hang out. Let's hang out. Do you know who is no longer up for a good hangout or anything is Barrison Selmy? Who is that? I'm still bitter. I'm still bitter. (laughs) Still bitter. Still bitter. I mean, this is actually something that we talked about pretty openly on the Game of Thrones live show on Sunday night. Rob Sesternino and I broke down everything that happened in Sons of the Harpy, including the death of Barristan Selmy and how that is not a thing that happened in the books. Um, That this is something that the show is doing. Show's gone rogue, Terry. I saw this episode when they sent out the screeners and I was very sure that there was no way they were going to kill him off. And I like wrote a whole post about it. I was like, there's no way they can kill off Barristan. And then they ruined it in the promo for next week's episode. And I was gutted. I like really didn't expect this turn. Did you, you actually messaged me and said like, did they just kill Barristan? And they did. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, well, of course I was surprised. He's still super alive <laughs> in the book. He I still was, has perspective chapters was, in the books. I, yeah, I was shocked. It's not like it, it's not quite a Jojen Reed where Jojen Reed is is being killed off in the show right around the point that he is at in the books. Like it's not like there's much more for Jojen to do. There is a significant amount of stuff for Barristan the Bold still to do. He's you know he's going to be you know we're, we're not going to get any of those Queen's Hand chapters. You know we're not going to get any of him you know kind of uh, conspiring. To, to fight back against the Suns and, and all of this stuff as Meereen's going to shit. He is taking a hike. Um, so I was surprised. I'm not the only one who's surprised. You're surprised. Fans of the books are surprised. Um, Ian McElhenney, who is the actor who plays Barrist in the Bold, is also surprised. He gave an interview. He gave an interview with Entertainment Weekly. Um, I think it was, it was done during a set visit. It seems yeah. like, based on the way that it reads, uh, an interview with James Hibbert of EW. Um, and he says this. This is how he found out. He says, it proves you should probably not read the books. I've read the books, so I thought this season I was going to have more to do, and I was really looking forward to that. And then I got my dates from my agent, and I thought, well, that doesn't tally because there was no way if they were sticking to the books that I should be in for that number of weeks. It seemed to me that they must be writing me out, so I had a word with the line producer and said, can you corroborate that they're writing me out? Then the showrunners rang me and told me, your time is up in this series, so perhaps I took them by surprise that I knew. Yeah, I honestly wonder if they just felt they were going to have too many people with Danny, with Tyrion and Jorah. This always happens in Danny's storyline, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, always, it's always the people in Danny's story who get killed. Like, uh, I, I forget his name, but one of those Dothraki who's still around in the books. Um, you know, one, like one of her close, one of her close allies. Uh, the guy who Cal Drogo rips the throat out of that guy is still coming right. up in the books. Of course, we never got Strong Bellwas, which I know you're still sour uh, about. I know, like if we're not gonna get Barristan, you gotta give me Strong Bellwaz. You know, like, if we're killing off Barristan, now it's time to introduce Strong Bellwaz. I'm ready. 
Well, the conversation that Barristan had with I will, Danny I will, about I will, I will very legitimately say if we are killing Barristan the Bold in order to pave the way for Strong Belwas, I'm fine with <laughs> I'm fine with everything that has happened in this episode. I just don't think that that's where we're going. Yeah, I don't expect that's where we're going. But it was interesting the conversation that Barristan had with Danny about Rhaegar in this episode prompted a lot of people to ask, like, could he have been one of the people who knew about? John's supposed parentage or yes. at least the real story between Lana and Rhaegar. And I wonder, do you think that he knew? Because I don't imagine that he knew that. Um, I could see it. I don't, I don't see yeah. I don't see why he wouldn't know. Um, I guess if Littlefinger seemingly knows, then right. and why we'll, not Barristan? And, and we'll certainly get into that in a little while. Um, but I, I think... Um, you know, again, we'll, we'll get into all the Rhaegar stuff in, in a few minutes, but I, I do think, you know, him being, you know, Kingsguard during the days of Rhaegar Targaryen and all the people who were super close with Rhaegar from, from that era and the people who were at the Tower of Joy. I don't believe Barrison was at the Tower of Joy. Um, I don't think so either. But then again, they could just sort of rejigger that whole thing. Sure. But I mean, he would he would not, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he knew about it. Either right. way, neither here nor there because he's dead. Uh, so that's not that's not going to come up on the show at the very least. But, you know, he was upset. Ian McElhinney was upset. Um, George R. R. Is... Martin's editor was upset. Did you oh, hear about really? this? No, yes. I didn't uh, see... Jane Johnson, uh, George's book editor, uh, was throughout the episode, actually, was was tweeting. This is from uh, a report on winteriscoming.net. They posted um, kind of a roundup of Jane Johnson's tweets as the episode was airing. One of the tweets was HBO's Game of Thrones season five has gone completely rogue now. Hashtag Loris, uh, you know, talking about Loris Tyrell getting apprehended right. by the faith militant. Uh, Jane Johnson also uh, said about that. I've never been happy that they made him a gay cartoon in the TV series. The characterization is much more nuanced in the books. That's something we've talked about on book club before. Um, but this in response to the Barrist and the bold stuff, Jane Johnson writes what in capital letters, Game of Thrones, not loving these huge divergences. Read the books if you want to know the story the way the author intended it. Um, somebody, Do you think that's reflective, reflective of how George feels? Well, this is interesting. So somebody responds, um, someone uh, calling themselves You Can Fly on Twitter responds saying, George R.R. R. Martin is one of the producers and decides what goes on the show, which is not true. Uh, you know, he is a producer, that is true, but he's not going to have ultimate say over what stays and what goes. And this is what Elio and Linda of Westeros.org, they tweeted in response. They said, he noted, Martin, Martin has noted if HBO wanted aliens to invade, he could not stop them. He advises, he does not decide. Um, and there's there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of discussion between uh, at Westeros Org, at Jane Johnson Baker, uh, Elio and Linda Morning, that no Barristan taunting Drogon to distract him from his queen. No, then come. No queen's hand. Sigh. Uh, Jane Johnson saying, I know it's very disappointing. So people at a high level connected to George are upset. You know, George is not coming out and saying if he feels upset about Game of Thrones, you know, killing off Barristan the Bold and making the changes that they're making this season. But people close to George are publicly not thrilled. Right. Interesting. It is interesting. And what I've heard is that, you know, he he gets their outline for the season. Highly doubt killing off Barristan was left out of that outline. And Highly he doubt that gives his notes. Um, but I'm sure that if they're like, no, this is something we have to do. And he's like, I don't agree with it. Then they're just going to go with what they need to do. Right. So, but it certainly is disappointing. And I think it's that, disappointing for a lot of people. And I think this typically raises the question of what does this mean for the character in the book? Does yes. this mean they aren't important? And yes. we already know that Barristan is important, whether or not he dies down the road or not. Right. So I guess this sort of answers that question for us. This speaks to a question sent in by Luke Strobel, who wrote into us and said, so are we to assume that in the next book, Barry is going to bite the dust one way or another soon and Jorah is going to come back. So they just speed it all up. Um, I, I would say my interpretation is yes. My interpretation, Luke, is that Barristan the Bold, and I, I, I kind of felt this way anyway, I don't I, I kind of don't think um, and, and now I certainly don't think I, I was not of the mind that Barristan the Bold was going to survive the Battle of Meereen. I thought that that would be a place for him to go. I kind of see him dying in battle with Victarion in the books. That's that's sort of just where my fan fiction mind is going. <laughs> um, and if that is where they're going, they're not going to do that on the show because Victarion is not in the show. Um, but, you know, either way, I do think that it probably means Barristan the Bold is not long for life in the books, whether or not that's true. 
we won't find out until Winds of Winter inevitably drops or hopefully drops at some point in the nearest future. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is this is the kind of thing, you know, like last season, the reason that Game of Thrones book club exists is because I freaked out over the Oathkeeper ending. And you, right. and you and I, we called an emergency uh, podcast together to talk about that. That was, I believe, the very first Game of Thrones book club we've ever done on Post Show Recaps. Right. Um, you know, if we hadn't done that, I'm sure that there would have been many points since then that we would have called an emergency podcast meeting, Terry. Um, but, you know, this is the kind of same, same thing where it's like, oh my God, this is how white walkers are made and this is what happens to craster's babies they get turned into white walkers so it was just such a nutty thing that you don't know if it's the show deviating or if it's the show tipping george's hand um this is another one of those cases with barristan dying um some people as we just noted not thrilled about it surprised about it um you know ranging from surprised to not thrilled i i got some messages from some people uh who wrote into us to say like they're they're more okay with it um they're more okay with it then then you would think a lot of people were saying i'm liking the deviations uh that the season is making from the books i i don't love always knowing where this thing is going and i like being surprised so there are people who who feel that way and just to refer back one more time to ian McElhenney's interview with entertainment weekly um he was asked uh what would you say to book reading fans that are upset that sir barristan is no longer with us and ian says i'm disappointed but I think you have to accept, as I have accepted, that the, the demands of TV are different than the demand of book writing. With TV, there's a pressure to create a number of high points. One of the big things about this series, it's true in the books and even more true in the series, is the surprise element, the shocks. They've got to keep that up because people expect that. You can't predict anything, but what you can predict is that there will be surprises. So, you know, he's got he's to make himself feel better about this however he can, but, you know, he's kind of speaking to the attitude that I've started to adopt in, you know, the past several episodes and, and last season as well, is that the show and the books, you know, they're not only different entities, which is something that we've touched on here, but there's, you know, something really, um, you know, insightful that I think he brings up is like creating these two different stories requires so many you know different creative muscles and practical muscles um there's there's realities about creating a show that's just vastly different from the realities of creating a book george is not inhibited by budget contracts anything like that he can kill a character off willy-nilly and not worry about breaking a human being's feelings you know hurting hurting their feelings um the show has different masters to serve the show has many more masters to serve danny would like to kill all of those masters uh you know there's <laughs> she wants to break the wheel she, she the hbo to, wheel yeah she wants to break the hbo wheel so there's there's a lot more in play on the show I, I hear what Ian McElhinney is saying. I hear what the, the disappointed people are saying as well. I think that, you know, if, if we are to proceed with Game of Thrones, you kind of have to um, come around to what Ian McElhinney is saying is that these are two different mediums and they require different things. Um, and if you, if, if you can't get right with that and you continue on with the show, then I think you just got to be ready for the fact that, like, this Barrist in the Bold thing, as shocking as it is, Terry, this is not going to be the last big shock. Um, Honestly, my issue with it isn't even that he died, but the way they handled it. And I don't think that's necessarily something that the production had a say in. But to me, if you're going to end this episode on a cliffhanger, which to me, we're left wondering, does Grey Worm die or live? Does Barristan die or live? Then don't let your... And again... The promo department largely doesn't work with the the people on production when they're shooting this. But don't let your promo department spoil that a character dies and save that EW postmortem until next week see, after it's confirmed he's dead. See, the thing is, is I don't think that it's meant to be up in the air whether or not he dies. Maybe that's clumsy shooting. Um, maybe maybe they don't make it clear. And I think a big piece of that would be the fact that he doesn't get his throat slit. Um, exactly. That would, like that, that Grey be, Worm specifically right. doesn't let him get his throat slit. Like, right, give right. him a much better, like, but concrete, I, crazy death. But, I, th- but I think that's like, there's just like a little bit of grace that he gets in not having his throat slit by, you I know, guess. just like bleeding out and dying like that. I don't think that his his life or death is meant as the cliffhanger. I think that this is meant as sort of, you know, not quite red wedding level event, but just like a big heartbreaking, uh, bloody surprise uh, that that this character is dead and that Grey Worm and, and the Unsullied are either dead or dying. I think Grey Worm's fine. I think that we've seen in in future previews that Grey Worm is still alive. Right. Um, but but I think um, I think where where people 
might be getting the cliffhanger thing from is, Terry, you, you got to see the screeners for work. A lot of people saw leaked episodes and have had to live with this knowledge of did Barristan live or did Barristan die for weeks now when that was not the, author, the author's intention. You know, that wasn't HBO's intention was for people to have three weeks, four weeks to, to ruminate over Barristan the Bold's survival. Um, I think that, you know, very clearly evidenced by the fact that the preview shows him, you know, on a slab in like the very first shot of the preview, which airs 60 seconds after the episode has ended. I don't think that they meant that to be a shock. I think that right. the, I think that it, it, it was a declarative barrist and the bold is dead and what the F is happening now. Yeah, it was so weird watching that promo for next week, which I mean, for both of us, we're now going now with everyone else. We're going to the point where I haven't seen more of what's to come. Yeah, and I was looking at that promo and I was like, I don't recognize any of this. Yeah, it's so weird. We're getting to the point where it feels like a little fan fiction. -y. It feels like it's not the show that I knew before. And I, I feel in my gut like this really is a completely separate entity. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think for me, that's the way that I'm looking at it. And, you know, my my enjoyment remains intact. Uh, I, I don't know about about anyone else. I know that there are really, really fiercely loyal book readers who listen to this show, who, who watch Game of Thrones um, and are obviously unhappy. And I respect the hell out of those opinions. You're entitled to your right to that. But for me, as I as I often say, I'm fairly agnostic about this stuff and I'm having a good time with the show right now. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just I'm just warning everybody like it's it'll get worse <laughs> like you know right. if you don't if you don't make if you don't find some sort of peace with it it'll get worse uh i i really think you know barristan is a beloved character for sure has important stuff to do for sure um but is not the most important character in the books um and i think that bad things could happen to people that are more important than barristan so you know knock on wood that everyone's going to be okay and that you know things aren't going to get spoiled too hard if that's if that's what we're looking at if we're talking about you know spoilers for the books ahead but uh fact of the matter is that's that's where we are right now that's where we're at and it's only it's only going to get worse now this is a question from matt campbell on the subject of barristan uh matt campbell writes in did barristan die purely because there is no quentin storyline in the show and there doesn't appear to be an impending yunkai corpse flinging attack anytime sooner so mirian is just in cutback mode right now um chris oliver adds do you guys think we will get the battle of Mirene in the show selmy is dead but he leads the charge and winds of winter victarian isn't showing up we've seen no indication that astapor yunkai or karth will make moves on the city it seems that once danny tames the harpy she will be ready to move on to westeros so do you think that barristan dying here is signaling a scale back on the Mirene stuff which we know was infamously difficult for george to get through in writing the books you know the Mirene is not which is a joke on the show it's a sex position on the show right. um, but in in, in real life, it was it was a true creative knot that George had to untangle in order to get Dance with Dragons out in a reasonable time. And it wasn't very reasonable at all. It was five <laughs> years. Uh, you know, it was something that really kind of racked at him for a while. And he's talked about it at length. Do you think that the show is rather than trying to like carefully untangle this knot? Do you think that they're just taking a sword to it? I do not think we will see the Battle of Marine this year. Maybe next year, like with maybe with Danny gone, if that's where they end it, that's going to prompt all the other cities to swoop in and start this big battle. Um, but I don't think we'll see it this year. Something I'm surprised there hasn't been any forward momentum on is I assumed that they would send Tristane instead of Quentin to Marine. Right. Uh, but that doesn't seem like it's going to happen unless it's something that happens in the final six, which maybe um so yeah it certainly seems like they're trimming that stuff down and i think that the way they're looking at it is it was so unwieldy and hard for george to do why are we even bothering when we're cutting out a bunch of these storylines anyway right Something, I, I think the assumption is that however this storyline wraps up it's going to end with danny heading to westeros Right. So, and why, so if we know that already and if our show isn't quite as complicated as the books, why not just cut to the chase faster? And honestly, I think that this fight between Grey Worm, Barristan and the Sons of the Harpy is one of the most phenomenal scenes that the show has pulled off. I thought the fight really? scene was just like I thought it was like incredibly well choreographed. And I was on the edge of my seat when I was watching it. And and I just like really felt it. And something that we talked about after watching it is like, I wish that that had been a little bit more of what happened when Danny took Marine to begin with. Yeah. Um, but I think that 
focusing on her and her conflict with the sense of the harpy being like as as metaphor for her and her issue with her troubles leading. And I think that we probably will get a his star marriage before the end of this season. I believe at some point someone said there are three weddings this season, which would be Tommen, I'm guessing Sansa and Ramsey (laughs) and, uh, and Daenerys and his star. Okay. So I could see that being, you know, the big climax and falling action. Yeah. I I still, I still think a lot of the big beats will happen. Like I, I do think, Daenerys is going to fly away on Drogon. I think yeah. th- I think that's such a, you know, such a uh Marine, fuck yeah. Like it's just such a, like it's just such a great moment for Daenerys and for the show that I think that we really we really need to have that. And Drogon and her relationship with Drogon have been so important already this season on that show, that has yeah, yeah, to yeah. be. Yeah. And uh, we have to this is a total aside, but the shot of Drogon in the trailer and the look on Tyrion's face when he sees him it's like, oh, it's I cannot wait to see that scene in its entirety. All right. Well, you, you just set this next question up really well. Uh, you, you bring up Tyrion. Let's bring Tyrion into this conversation. Michael Eels wrote in, so with Barry the Bold now shockingly dead, is the show setting up Tyrion to replace Barristan when Daenerys goes with Drogon at the end of the series and to step in as Hand of the Queen? I like this theory. I like that, too. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. And I think, you know, the listen, I, I think that a lot of the stuff that Barristan does in the books doesn't have to go away. Um, he's gone, but his storyline can continue in the hands of somebody like Tyrion when Tyrion makes it to Meereen. Um, and it gives Peter Dinklage some wheeling and dealing politically to do. Granted, he's got stuff I'm sure that's going to happen when the Battle of Meereen ends in the books, but we can get to that a little bit faster. We can get to some of the more politically angled um, maneuvering a little quicker if he takes on Barristan's role. Um, I wouldn't be surprised, especially because the dragons end up being such an important part of what Barristan has to deal with. Tyrion, if we are going down the road of like whether or not it's Tyrion Targaryen that we're looking at or just Tyrion's fascination with dragons paying off. Um, that could be a huge, huge moment this season. And we could just kind of yada yada to that moment by having Tyrion in the Barristan spot. So let's, let's talk about that. Do you think that they're going to get to that this season or just set it up? Because I wouldn't be surprised if Danny being flown away is her big cliffhanger and Tyrion is just like, Oh my God. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised about that, too. But, you know, there would still be business to attend to in Meereen if Danny is gone. Um, right. I don't think that that's going to be like the final episode of the season is Danny going away. Oh, yeah. We disagree about this. Yeah, I remember. Well, yeah. But because in the books, she's she that happens um, with several, several, several chapters still to go, you know, a hundred something pages, maybe even 200 something pages still to go when when Danny is out of the picture, I think. Um, so I think that there would still be more business to attend to after that moment happens for her. Uh, but I mean, you agree, agree or disagree. It doesn't really make a difference, but I, I think, um, I think we could get there. I think we could, I think we could see, um, you know, Tyrion interacting with, uh, with, with Viserion and Rhaegon down in the, down in their dragon dungeon. I think that that could happen. Yeah. And I, think he could take, I would very much be on board. I with think that. he could take the place of Quentin Martell and live to tell the tale. Yeah. You know, yeah, I think having Tyrion there as a rogue agent and we're already seeing like it's interesting when people talk about how much Sansa's storyline has deviated in my mind, because while, yes, it's different than what she does in the books, it's also very similar to Jane Poole's. Like to me, it's just it's not that it's deviating. It's just she's replacing a minor character. And so, yeah, for Tyrion to do the same thing, I think makes a lot of sense like give your main main characters more to do and more interesting things to do right and i think that it fits in with the um you know this idea that that david and dan have talked about of like we're trying to we're we're trying to resist the urge to expand you know we're we're trying to to you know collapse the story a little bit you know keep it a little bit tighter and i think that giving these things to Tyrion. Um, giving giving these things to a recognizable main character rather than giving it to a Jane Poole, not to call Barristan the Bold a Jane Poole, uh, but you know, giving giving that to somebody like Tyrion, I think it's a I think it's a good call for the show. Uh, if it's disappointing for the books, you know, the book reader certainly. Um, all right, well let's let's move let's let's use Barristan uh, to segue 
into the other big book topic of the episode, the other huge the one. The best part of this yeah, episode. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Let's get in all of, into all of the R plus L equals J nonsense. Uh, it, was, it was really fantastic. And this comes from Obi Rose. Obi Rose writes, is it possible that with the death of Barriss and Selmy that Varys is possibly the last character left who has the scoop on Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark? If memory serves, he worked in service to Aerys, so he would have been privy to what was going on in court prior to Robert's rebellion. Um, also, Obi Rose is one of the people who says, I'm enjoying your show analysis and I'm enjoying the TV series straying from the books. I don't like knowing what is going to happen next. So see, there are people like that out there. How about that? I, I believe that. I know that, that there are. Obi, we're happy that you're listening. Do you think that, that Varys is one of the people that could tip, uh, tip the R plus L equals J secret? I don't know. Like, it's, it, it's so weird that the show is sort of blurring the lines. Like, how the heck would Littlefinger know? Other than the fact that he was, like, there. Sure. Um, well, what, so we, ma- what, someone has to know. There's no Howlin' Reed. Yeah, so. I, I really want to talk about the Littlefinger thing. Um, this is great. Uh, JC Mack posted this in our comment section, uh, posting to a BuzzFeed article. There's been a lot of articles about the R plus L equals J stuff that happened on this episode. Terry, did you write one? I sure did. Yeah, and I wrote. I one wrote too. way like, too who, many words who, on it. <laughs> who, did, who didn't write one? I I do think that this this um, observation on BuzzFeed by Jenna Guillaume. Um, I think that this is this is the best one that I read because this is one that I missed. Um, you know, just to set it up, the R plus L equals J stuff. Uh, you know, not confirmed in the books. Lots of text to support it. Uh, I've been I've been asked by by um, at least one listener of this of this show uh, if if R plus L equals J is fair game considering it hasn't happened in the books. Um, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I think it is. Uh, it's, it's such a prominent theory that how could we not talk about it on the Game of Thrones book club? I assume that if you are listening to the book club podcasts that you are either up and up on all of the theories or you are open to finding out about the theories. Uh, the theory being that Rhaegar Targaryen and Lyanna Stark are the actual parents of Jon Snow um, and not Ned Stark, Ned Stark being his uncle. Uh, this is pretty commonly accepted, I think. I don't think that there's anybody who does and think that this is really what's going on. I think that there are people, uh, but they're few and far between for people who are exposed to this theory. And it had a huge night on Sons of the Harpy. Had a mm-hmm. big, big night. There's the scene with Littlefinger and Sansa in the crypt of Winterfell where Sansa is, you know, they're talking about Rhaegar Targaryen. We get the Tower of Joy. We get that shouted out. That's really great. Um, we have Sansa talking about how Rhaegar uh, kidnapped and raped Lyanna. Uh, in Meereen, we hear a very different depiction of Rhaegar Targaryen from Barristan talking about him as like an, an artist and somebody who donated his, his money that he got from singing in the streets of King's Landing to other minstrels. Um, and we got a, a bunch of cool stuff uh, at the wall as well. We got a line from Stannis that's something to the effect of um, he's, he's talking with his wife and she calls John Ned Stark's bastard. Uh, On like a tavern whore or yeah, something. Yeah, and, and uh, Stannis, this Luke Strobel sent this into us. Stannis is basically like, eh, maybe, but that's not really Ned Stark style. Um, so there's just like they're dropping all of these clues in this one episode that more or less spell out R plus L equals J. Um, and the big one, this is from BuzzFeed. This is something that I didn't pick up on the first time. I was really just thinking about it as we're starting to introduce the the Rhaegar story. We're starting to talk about the Tower of Joy and the tourney at Harrenhal and all of that. Um, and there is this moment where Sansa says that line about how Rhaegar kidnapped and raped Lyanna. And, and he, he just looks, he gives her this look. He gives that's her this like, look. He like, it's like he's, thinking about whether he should say more and the look in his eyes says, I know more. And then he doesn't. And they walk away. Yeah. He's, he's talking with her. She says what she says. He's got his eyes fixed on her throughout the whole conversation. She says what she says. He winces, he looks downward and then he looks away at that line. Uh, Rhaegar kidnapped and raped Lyanna. Uh, it sure seems to me that Littlefinger knows. Uh, and, totally. And, this, and I think this it's is like, re- this is the most, you know, spelled out that R plus L equals J has ever been in the show or the books for me. And honestly, like, yes. And they don't really delve into what might have actually happened other than that look in his eyes that says maybe Sansa doesn't have it right. 
And for the people who don't know, R plus L equals J, there's some speculation. Like, yes, Rhaegar takes Lyanna. Yes, she is found later. Yes, the text supports that she was in a bed of blood, which could mean her birthing bed, which means she had a baby. And that was how she died. But under what situation did Rhaegar have sex with her? Was it just because of prophecy? Was it because they were in love? Did he actually rape her? Um, But I think for Sansa to say he kidnapped her and raped her and at least whether it was rape or otherwise get out there that Rhaegar and Lyanna had sex to me is proof that they're building up to a reveal that, that John is their child. But my question for you, since they put so much in this episode, do you think we're going to get that reveal this season? Yeah, uh, this is, this is a question. This is absolutely a question. This is a question from Andy, Andy and several other and people. Terry. Wrote, uh, and Terry, <laughs> Andy and Terry and several other people who wrote in and asked about this. Andy writes in, uh, I'm wondering if you think all of the Chekhov's Rhaegar Targaryen action we got this week could be a sign that the show is setting us up for an R plus L equals J reveal before the books get there. Uh, is the power that Melisandre senses in Jon Snow, the power in King's Blood she's so fond of. Um, yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it. I can see R plus L equals J being confirmed in season five. Um, I don't know that that's definitely where we are going, but I can see it happening for sure. I think that they are setting the groundwork for it because they aren't going to wait too long, though I almost wonder if they're going to reveal it this weekend, this weekend, (laughs) maybe this weekend, weekend. reveal it it this season. And then if they end with John getting killed by the Night's Watch, have it be a, oh, well, shucks, that sucked. Or have him die, whether or not he comes back or not next season, have it brought up then and then be like, holy shit. Right. Here was another contender. On how, how much, visits. how much of a, of a, of a tap to the no, no spot would it be to, uh, to, to introduce, to confirm that Jon Snow has Targaryen blood and then just to kill him off, like to outwardly say <laughs> R plus L equals J and then John dies at the wall in like one fell swoop. It is true Game of Thrones style. It is. It is. But even even George isn't that cruel. Yeah. Even George isn't that cruel. I mean, do you think he would let them? I feel like that would be something where for as much as he says they could write aliens and he could have stopped them, I feel like they would at least have the respect for him to let him say it first. I would hope so. But I don't know for sure. I, I right. don't know for sure. I would hope so. But who knows? Um, you know, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I, I think, um, I, I think that's possible. I think it could be, uh, possible that they'll just go for it, that they'll just go for it this season. Who knows? But there, I I wonder if I would be upset. I think I might just be excited. (laughs) Would that be one that would, would make you sad? I don't, you know, no, I think like having it out there because there's no way they could be like, we're doing it this way, but George is doing it a different way. Confirming it one way or another. We've been waiting for this long time. for a very long time time. and to find it like that is my favorite thing to spoil for people and i'm terrible because they'll be like just started watching game of thrones and i'll be like well who do you think Jon snow's mom is Uh, they'll be like i just read the book and i'm like what did you pick up on this line and this line and this line um so i'm really really terrible but i love just blowing people's minds with that and it's been something that george has been treading water with for a while and it's been the mystery that i think people are most intrigued by and to me, whether it happens this season or next, whether the books confirm it first or the show, to have that like ball drop in people's minds be blown like the Red Wedding and Ned Stark's death and stuff like that, I think I would just be excited. I think so too. But I mean, who who knows? Uh, it's it's so so hard. Unless they really botch it. Yeah, if they if they if they don't stick the landing on it, that would that would yeah. really suck. But I, I could totally see them. Willow there. plus Ned equals John. Yes, yes. But I, I think that the other thing about it too, whether if like if they're not gonna do it this season, then and I think that at least they need to start laying some track because uh, right. they really haven't very much on the show. And um, this would totally be the foundation of, from which this theory is born. It's the foundation. It, do, it does speak to a concern that um, that uh, uh, Victoria Smith wrote in about. Victoria Smith says, do the showrunners feel the show only watchers versus the readers are so dense that they have to leave all of these breadcrumbs concerning John's true parentage in one episode? In this case, it was more like whole loaves of bread. Um, and, and so I, I, would, I would say to, to that, I, I do think it was an info dump. I don't know because I, you know, I know the theory. You know, I know what to, to look for with this stuff. So I can't, and, and I wouldn't 
I wouldn't want to ask somebody like, did you pick up on this? Did you, did you get that? Did you see what this is going on? In case they don't know, like uh, somebody who hasn't read the books or doesn't know the theory. Um, Joel Rainey asked, uh, asked me, does Rob know, or at least have a guess of R plus L equals J. He sure danced around it in the last recap. Like, I don't even want to ask Rob Sesternino right. if he knows what R plus L equals J is. Cause like, I, I, I want people to discover that on their own. So I don't know how much like that is dawning on people in this episode after the information that's dropped here. I just don't have that perspective. To um, me, it's an info dump, but at the same time, it's a bunch of conflicting stories. And I think to just have the one thing where they're like, Rhaegar kidnapped Liana and raped her, like maybe people would just take that as fact. So it was important to have in the same episode, a completely contradictory discussion of Rhaegar and I believe they did that back in season one too which is you know when Robert talks about how much he hates him and then we hear Jorah or whoever talking telling a different story about Rhaegar I believe that happened right am I making that up it's so long ago that I couldn't verify well I mean I I think that it was important to have that maybe having the Stannis scene in there was laying it on a little thick um where they're really pointing it to like hey John he's over here uh but I think I thought it was actually pretty smart of them to not outwardly say it but to like give these two very different depictions of who people who knew Rhaegar thought him to be and who people who have just heard rumors post Robert's rebellion have heard him to be. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we've, we've gotten a few references to things that seem to be happening in the books or really important in the books on the show this season. Um, you know, a lot of R plus L equals J stuff in this episode, but throughout the season so far, we've been getting a lot on grayscale. You know, we've been mm-hmm. getting, we've been getting, you know, talk of the, of the, stone men Tyrion talking about a lot of Shireen time uh you know she's been she's been on screen a lot and and Stannis talks about it again in this episode I feel like three out of four episodes if not all four have brought up grayscale um and you know I think that that's something that people are starting to pick up on now it's like why do we keep talking about this is this important um and I mean we can assume we don't know with 100% certainty because we're not fully there in the books yet but it seems like that's going to be a big deal John Connington uh you know comes down with grayscale and comes to Westeros so grayscale scale is uh you know infectious in westeros right now in the books um so i i feel like the r plus l equals j stuff maybe this is this is just the first episode where they're talking about it i would keep an eye out for future rhaegar mentions future liana mentions um if it's if it is just like all done in one episode it is probably too much of an info dump uh, especially for an episode called sons of the harpy you would think that that uh that right. episode title maybe would would be different if you know this was like the let's line up rhaegar targaryen theories episode uh, i'm sure this isn't going to be the yeah, last pair of them i feel like it's the tipping point i think it's the tipping point do you think we'll ever get the night of the laughing tree story uh, i hope so i mean this is this is a question from uh our, our good buddy brendan fitzpatrick writes in um since littlefinger told the story of the tourney at harrenhal and rhaegar highlighting fan discussion of non and book readers alike to our plus L equals J. I was hoping you could discuss the next logical story, the Tower of Joy. Do you think that this is the next logical back history lesson to be told on the show? Um, so I, I think that, you know, what, what Brendan is alluding to is like uh, we're, we're starting to get history really brought up on the show. This is a thing that this season is starting to dive into a little bit more than we've seen in the past. Uh, we have a flashback earlier in the season to kick off the season. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we could get a Rhaegar flashback. I don't think that it's out of the realm of possibility we could get a Tower of Joy, the the Night at the Laughing Tree. I think at the very least, yeah, I do think that we could get uh, this brought up in, in you know exposition, in conversation. I think that these are things that the show seems to be getting interested in, um, especially if they're going to be important to the narrative going forward. So, you know, I'm, I'm more hopeful about that stuff than ever before after this. I just, I just had a crazy thought because you were saying that and I was like, who really would be able to tell the story of the Tower of Joy now? Like, there's no one really left alive from that time. Um, and I thought it was really interesting that Littlefinger specifically brought up that uh, that Rhaegar gave Lyanna a crown of blue roses because that blue rose is such important, such an important symbol in the books that keeps coming up again and tying the audience back to Liana, even if we don't explicitly see that. And we see that, so this is my crazy idea that I think would be awesome if it happened, that I have no basis in actually believing would happen. 
we see Melisandre and John getting closer and obviously she has visions and in the book she has visions and she's like, all I can see is snow. Um, that hints us that maybe she's seeing John being this thing. Yeah. I believe what it's if, a capital S too. Right. What if she sees in one of her visions, a blue rose and a wall of ice? Yeah, man. Right. Like she totally could, they could work it in that way. They had to have mentioned blue for a reason unless it was just fan service like i think i i think i would lose my mind I would lose if, my that mind. Happens, if they managed to work in that line because to me that's like just one of the most symbolic iconic images that the book has brought up uh and uh, it's john like to bring up that blue rose thing again to clue the audience into it being in a wall of ice that's where john is we should connect these two characters. Do you think there's any way that could happen? Oh yeah. I think that could happen for sure. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, I'm not, I'm not betting on it, but I, I think it could, I think it could happen. Um, do you have anything more in R plus L equals J or should we, should we move ahead to some other stuff? Let's move ahead, but just, I mean, we, we can, we can keep bringing, I'm sure it'll come up again. Uh, let's just never stop talking let's about never it. Stop let's have this be the podcast that never ends. Yes, I think so. Uh, well, it has to end sometime. Uh, no, it never much, will. Much like Barris and the Bolt. Um, <laughs> this is, you, you bring up betting. So let's talk about Littlefinger betting on Stannis, uh, saying that I'm betting on Stannis that he is going to be able to take out the Boltons. Um, this was a question from not drunk at all, which makes me think maybe a little drunk. Yeah, just yeah. Much, there's no yeah. shame in it. Stopping in denial. Yeah, no shame in it. Um, not drunk at all. Writes Game of Thrones is anything but predictable. So does Littlefinger outlining Stannis beating Winterfell make it less likely? Um, this is an outcome that we don't know for sure about in the books, but there is the pink letter that uh, Ramsay writes to John uh, that says like I beat I beat Stannis. I've caught all these people. Come at me, bro. Uh, I believe that's verbatim. Uh, so so that's like the closest that we've got to to you know ramsey defeating stannis but we also have sample chapters from the winds of winter or theon sample chapter in specific where stannis is still alive um so we don't really know exactly how that's going to shake out ultimately uh what's your bet and do you think that Littlefinger putting his money on stannis makes it more or less likely for stannis to come out victorious yeah i don't know it's a tough one i we talked before we talked last week about how we think that ramsey should bite it this season um but i don't know it's tough because like you want the boltons to lose so does that mean they will automatically win i don't think necessarily in this case i think they've been in power all season there has to be something that unseats them but on the flip side like what if Littlefinger is wrong and everything is ruined yeah so i I haven't really thought about that and I don't know. I think it could go either way and both would be both predictable yet unexpected outcomes. Okay. Uh, well, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more to talk about that as the season progresses. Let's keep following Lind- Littlefinger. Let's go with Littlefinger to King's Landing. Um, this, what is he doing there? Yeah, what, what, what is he doing there? I have no idea. Everything with Littlefinger is a mystery right now, which I love. You know, I'm, I'm one of those people. I, I like that I have no idea what Littlefinger is up to right now. It's great. It makes me nervous. It makes me I very like, nervous. I like knowing everything. But this is so this is interesting. This is um, from Monica McGee. Monica McGee writes in, do you think that Littlefinger may now be taking the place of Val? in the murder of Kevin Lannister since he's heading back to King's Landing. What do you think? Are we going to get the crossbow in Littlefinger's hands? Is he going to kill Kevin Lannister? I don't think that would make sense because wouldn't that mean that it happened because Cersei told him to? And I was sort of under the belief that Barris killed him for his own ulterior motives. I think I, I, I agree with that. I think Varys absolutely kills Kevin Lannister for his own purposes. You know, he says to him, like, I feel bad that I have to do this. You seem like a good guy, but, uh, you know, there's a Targaryen coming and you got to go. Um, so, you know, Varys is, is absent from this past episode. He's not traveling to Meereen with Tyrion and Jorah, but the fact that he's in, in, um, in Volantis, the fact that he came all the way out here to me does suggest that he is trying to get to Dan so I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go back to King's Landing, if he doesn't pop up again there. I don't but think then again, maybe he would. Maybe yeah, it'll be the exactly. same exact thing. And we're left wondering until the end of season five, like whatever happened totally to Varys. possible. Totally possible. Um, but I also could see it going to Littlefinger and whether or not it's a hit arranged by Cersei or something that Littlefinger takes it upon himself to do. Um, because I think both Varys and Littlefinger though they may not agree on much in terms of their agendas, I think that both of them want the Lannisters out. 
I think that they both, that whatever plans that they're both cooking up, um, Varys's seems a bit more straightforward now. It's a Targaryen thing. In the books, maybe a Blackfire thing, but on the show, it's, it seems like it's a Danny thing. Um, and Littlefinger seems to be into the Littlefinger thing, you know, somehow, some way, wheeling and dealing his way there. Um, I could see him wanting to take out the Lannisters with, with such extreme measures as possibly putting a crossbow bolt in Kevin Lannister. I think that his plan is to, to knock out the Lannisters. He's obviously operating, you know, behind their back with the whole Sansa thing. If they really know the full extent of that, they're not going to be thrilled. Um, I could see Littlefinger killing off Kevin, uh, somehow, you know, getting the, the Lannisters completely pulled from the regime, Tommen exposed, Tommen no longer king. And, you know, we know that Littlefinger and the Tyrells have conspired is the plan for Littlefinger to marry Marjorie. Oh, that's well, he can't now. Why not? Because she's consummated her marriage. But I'm saying if Tommen is considered, um, you know, if he's considered illegitimate, if he is stripped of power, if they're broken. Right. But then she still would be married to him. They can't they can't nullify the marriage. There's no way of doing that. I don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think she would just be screwed. I don't know. We got to, we got to. No, well, no pun intended. Well, there you go. Uh, I, we got to ask Antonio Mazzaro. Uh, we, 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 uh, we had Antonio Mazzaro on the feedback show this week and I uh, dropped the ball. Didn't ask him any legal questions about this stuff. So I will, <laughs> he is, he is our, our resident legal expert here on the Game of Thrones shows and on is Costa Rica. He, is he up on medieval? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. But he would, he would have an idea. I think he would have an idea. Antonio, shout. I know you're listening. Uh, let us, let us know. Um, but I, I don't know. That's kind of my pet theory right now. Um, assu- you know, assume, assuming that's possible. So, you know, it, going from that tinfoil hat theory, I could see Littlefinger murdering Kevin Lannister. I'm sure that people will have other takes on whether or not Littlefinger could be taking that role. But it wouldn't be the first time that a major character is taking another major character's role in something. That is true. I do want to talk about one other thing really fast that of I course. think we all probably picked up on and, and assumed it what was going to happen, but Marin Trant is going with Mace Tyrell. To Hell yeah. Waters. Hell yeah. Do we all have the same assumption of what's going to happen when he gets there? Yeah. Mike Bloom, the great Mike Bloom writes in, what are the chances Marin Trant is going to take the place of Raph and Arya's eventual mercy storyline? The breadcrumbs seem to lead there considering she name dropped her in her list in episode two and he was just sent to Bravos to watch over Mace Tyrell. Yeah, I think, I think, um, everybody at this point, you know, book reader and show watcher alike, I think everybody picked up on you know the fact that Arya named Marin Trant in her you know you know talking about the people that she wants to kill and then Marin Trant gets sent to Bravos. I feel yeah. like lights out Marin Trant you're done. Well I wonder if he's going to take the place of Raph or if he's going to take up the place of the, the Night's Watch person who is with Sam. Right right you know either way I think that she's going to kill him. Yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be and great. I'm totally on board with it. I'm on board with it. I'm on board with it. I don't know what it says about um, you know her continued relationship with the house of black and white uh you know may, maybe it's she's going to be ordered to do the hit or she's going to go rogue and do it but i think that it's going to happen i think that she's going to kill Marin trant and it's going to be vengeance for serial pharrell and it's going to be dope all right let's get into some of this other stuff uh let's let's talk a little bit about the the faith militant and cersei this was a question from chris oliver what sin will a high sparrow accuse Cersei of? No Osney Kettleback, so it seems the incest charge is most likely, but if that's the case, then Tommen would have to be deposed, meaning Stannis would immediately become king. Also, the walk of shame would be a pretty light punishment for having incest babies and passing them off as the heir to the king. I think that, I last, think- that last point is actually the, the best point I can think of as to why like, maybe that's not going to be what she's outed for. I think she's outed for incest, but with Lancel. But with Lancel. Yeah, okay. To me, that's the one thing. Like, why has she not thought that Lancel would have confessed his sins and told this guy everything already? Yeah, yeah. we've been wondering. Antonia, when we, we recorded the feedback show earlier this week, we wondered, um, like, why are you keeping Lancel alive? Yeah, to Kill me, that. that's like Kill his that. role to play. Yeah. Um, and to have such an emphasis on him to remind everyone their relationship. I don't know why that's not the first thing that she thought of. I think she's just totally not focused on him as a threat, but I feel like he's got to have told like the high sparrow, listen, I helped her kill the King. We had relations. 
I feel terrible about it. I want to make amends. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I think that's good. Um, all right, let's let's wrap up with one more. Okay, so we mentioned grayscale earlier. Let's get into grayscale just a little bit more. Uh, Cassius Flay wrote, we've had numerous references to grayscale in the recent episodes, and there are theories that grayscale is linked to the others in some way. That coming from from Val in the books, who's saying like, you know, like if you if you know this this Shireen girl, you should you should kill that monster. You know, she really seems to the wild things really seem to be anti grayscale. Um, Cassius say with Shireen being a big part of the of the story now, do we think this could have something to do with the others? I'm sure the intention isn't to burn her, but maybe as a lure or trap. There is a backstory on how the others need a female child, which is why Craster only gives away the male children. If that's true, I, I'm not aware of it, but uh, entirely possible. Um, what do you think? Do you think that the grayscale with Shireen thing is going to be a big deal, like a BFD on this show? I don't know, but ever since. She- on her this season and that heartbreaking beautiful scene between her and Stannis which is I think one of my favorites in the show like I love those those moments we get between characters that maybe we didn't get in the books um I just feel like it can't be good it can't be good for Shireen you don't get this much of an emphasis on secondary characters or third tier characters without there being some reason for it yeah i think i think grayscale is gonna this is gonna happen this is gonna happen we're setting up grayscale uh very interested to see how that's gonna play into things because you know um you can't you can't mention that in three out of four episodes without it being important yeah all right so, so what storyline do you think it's gonna be i think it's gonna be at the wall i think it'll be at the, i think i think it'll be at the wall i think grayscale is gonna happen at the wall um I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Tyrion. you know what happens to Tyrion getting exposed could could still happen and it could be like it could be that he actually comes down with it who knows um i i think that it could happen there but i think it's gonna happen at the wall i think it might happen at the wall in the books anyway um yeah. so that's that's where i'm expecting to see it all right terry anything else from the episode or do you want to wrap up here Let's wrap up and be optimistic for more R plus L equals J in the future. Super, super optimistic. All right. If you guys got this far, um, I don't know. Uh, if you got a, you got a hashtag, Terry? That's what I've been thinking of this whole time. Um, huh. Hmm. How about the, the. T- Let's do hashtag laughing tree. We could, we, no, I laugh, hashtag laughing tree is going to be taken. Let's do a uh, hashtag Terry mm-hmm. at Heron Hall. <laughs> how about that how about the terry hashtag terry at heron hall then we'll see how many people actually know if my name is with an i or a y well which is it well no i want to see you i don't want to give it away out. you want to find out all right uh follow terry on twitter she's at terry underscore schwartz she'll give you all the scoops from zap i'm at round howard like ron howard but rounder this was a, a really fun chat with you terry this week i think this episode was was um you know uh, sons of the harpy i think was was the most interesting one from a book reader perspective for sure totally. this season uh, ho- uh hopefully it's just a sign of things to come because uh, it's been been really fun digging back into new episodes this whole season and we still got six more to go you still got six more to go, and there is a photo from this com- the upcoming episode that shows Sansa and Ramsay sitting next to each other at a table, and I'm very intrigued to see the context for that photo. Wow! So we'll yeah. leave that as a tease. All right, so we'll, let's let's see where that's going. Uh, we'll be back next week with another book club, hopefully live, maybe not. We'll let you know. Um, in in the meantime, you can always get in questions for book club. Uh, got at posterrecaps.com is the best way to do that. Most reliable way to do that um but we we also we opened up the the page on posterrecaps.com so you could write in the comment section earlier in the week this time uh which i really liked if you guys like that too we'll do it again uh let us know if that was helpful for you um other than that we'll be live with rob sesternino and i will be talking about game of thrones episode five season five on sunday night we'll have a feedback show next week we'll do book club next week it's all happening game of thrones it's really we're, we're really in it right now we're locked in as rob likes to say uh and now we're locked out we're out of here we're done terry Peace. Peace. Drop the mic. Bye.